Hey everybody, Francesca here reminding you that I will be in Sacramento at the Sack Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with none other than Matt Lieb. That's right, we are co-headlining. It'll be super fun. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we're all drinking, maybe? Anyway, get your tickets. There should be a link in this description, and I hope to see you there. This is the same where I get socialist and communist about everything is like, it's fun to compete with businesses when it comes to like making your own clothes or like the best damn ribs in town. That's really fun to have capitalism (laughs) and see who can really sell the most in town. Baby formula does not need to be treated like this because they're cutting corners. Baby back ribs, capitalism good. Baby formula, capitalism bad. I've got it. (laughs) Everybody, how is it going on this fine Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whenever days? Now I'm just doing the Godfather to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, die, Michael, die. Um, and then she did die. Uh, what up, you guys? This is the Bituation Room Podcast live stream. I am Francesca Fiorentini, your host. We've started a little bit early for those of you watching live and for those of you not watching live, dude, I'm on your time. So way to go. Way to go. We have a very good show, although my God, what a week it has been. Just another day in white supremacist hell world known as the United States. Like, you know, when I was younger and like, you know, marching against Bush and the Iraq war and you'd see that one sign that was like America with the three K's and you were like, okay, slow down. Like we're a little bit meh. And now it's like, no, no, no. It should always be spelled with three K that, that makes sense. Let's officially change the fucking spelling to America with three K's. Um, but joining me to discuss all the things that have been going on, uh, including um, obviously what happened in Buffalo, New York for a little bit. We're, we're going to also talk about the shortage of um, baby formula because apparently this country loves babies so much we just want to deny them food. Food in the womb as soon as you're, you know, forcibly born, then no more foo-foo. Um also, we're going to talk about the murder of Shireen Abu Akleh, the journalist in uh, the West Bank, the Palestinian-American journalist who was killed. Um, so we're going to get more context on that. And then um, Andrew, uh, have, I, have I said who's joining me? Brett Payne, co-host of Street Fight Radio, is joining me to, for the hour. You guys are in fucking luck. Uh, and if you don't listen to Street Fight Radio, you need to. Um, but also Andrew Perez of uh, The Lever, senior editor and reporter at The Lever, is going to be joining me to discuss how we all kind of saw this Roe v. Wade moment coming and uh, specifically who are the people behind the scenes who made sure that their moment of fruition has arrived in terms of striking down the right to get an abortion in this country, at least uh, safely and accessibly. Um, as we know, neither of those abortions actually not going away. Um, but with that, I want to just remind y'all that this show is really just, it's on a wing and a prayer of your love. That's how it happens. And that love 
is funneled to me through patreon.com, which is what I would like you to do uh, right now is go to patreon.com slash situation room and join because why? Because number one, love number two, love number three, you get a bunch of perks, namely weekly access to bonus content. We do a bonus story every single week. This week, we're going to talk about a Montana Senator uh, comparing women to turtles. That's right. That is where we're at. We hear his cogent anti-choice argument and you don't want to miss that. You really don't. So um, become a patron and also you get free merch. If you're a top tier person, you get discounts on merch. Remember, merch is at bituationroom.com, tote bags, two different kinds of shirts, stickers, etc. Um, and I'm going to do an Ask Me Anything, and this is available to all patrons to watch, but for those top-tier patrons to send in their questions. Here's a problem. A lot of them top-tier patrons, they're sitting high on the hog, and they don't send me enough questions. So I'm gonna, I may have to extend this to patrons who are 10 bucks or more because that is a pretty penny, and I appreciate y'all. So why don't we just say anyone Send me a goddamn question. Bitiation at gmail.com is where you send those or through the Patreon app. Um, but yes, make sure you holler at me. And we're going to do that AMA on Monday, May 30th. That'll be our AMA of May, Monday, May 30th at noon, right after the damage report if you listen or watch me. And actually, let's make it 1230 because I will have just – I have a th- – anyway, I do a top 10 with John Iderola. It's not important Every Monday, watch me on the Damage Report. In fact, tomorrow I will be hosting. Tomorrow and Tuesday I'll be hosting that show because John is going to receive a Webby uh, in New York. So I will be doing that show if you tune in. Um, and without further ado, let's get into it. Let's do this. Let's talk. What are y'all bitching about? Okay, so um, I think the country is, I don't know if reeling is the right word, but I think, um, you know, just as we've seen the inability for our leaders to do fuck all when it comes to uh, protecting the right to choose and protecting abortion rights, um, we've seen uh, the inability for people in leadership to do anything about white supremacist terrorism, uh, domestic terrorism, um, extremism, however you want to call it. You know, I don't want to get into semantics about whether we do or don't call these things terrorism. Um, it terrorizes and murders people. And that is um, white nationalism and specifically a shooter in Buffalo who killed 10 people um, at a grocery store named Tops, which was in a black community. And in fact, that that grocery store was um, kind of the product of a lot of organizing of black-led groups in Buffalo to eliminate food deserts, to have more access to food. People who were killed included um, 70-year-olds, nearly 80-year-olds who regularly shopped um, for food pantries that they ran every single week. I believe her name was Pearly, which is just a great name. Um, and... That's who was murdered uh, by this um, 18-year-old, not insane person, uh, 18-year-old internet radicalized um, racist. And I, 
I, I like once again, I, uh, you know, you can you can point your fingers at, at gun control, but we know we cannot get that. He passed a background check to get his uh, uh, assault weapon. He got his assault weapon. He then modified the assault weapon to make sure it could be shootier. And that was all legal, all totally fine. So I'm not even going to ask of my country to have any fucking gun control because we're not going to get it. Um, but of course, he had a manifesto. He had a manifesto which named all the familiar tropes, the anti-Semitic, the racist, uh, the anti-immigrant tropes, things like the Great Replacement Theory, which we've heard uh, parroted by Tucker Carlson in the most um, cynical, dishonest way. Like, oh, I'm going to get called a racist if I say that Jews are bringing immigrants to replace Republican voters. He also quoted critical race theory. Oh, remember that one? Remember how critical race theory was going to be the sort of like, you know, the soft peddling of white nationalism? That was going to be sort of like the agreed upon um, safe racism for the for the year 2022 and beyond for the post MAGA world, the post Trump world. Yeah, he names critical race theory as another thing. Uh, Mind you, the people that he targeted again were black. And yet my question is, where's the accountability from any of the politicians and the pundits that have been parroting these kinds of talking points? Not even parroting, just sort of a self-reflective, like a shitty disco ball hall of mirrors between 4chan and Fox News, which there really isn't a difference. It all just gets funneled up and back like a, you know, it is just a, a closed loop human centipede of hate and When does it stop? When do we cut it off? When do we actually slay this thing? When can we ever get accountability? And so that's where my mind is at. As someone who works in media, has worked in media, my mind is always in, actually, we need regulation when it comes to what you can and what you cannot say. And when you're putting people in the fucking crosshairs by your rhetoric, when does it come home to roost? On you, on you, because it's already coming home to roost on black and brown people and immigrants and women. So anyway, um, people freak out. The right loves to talk about, oh, freedom of speech, freedom of speech, this and that. In fact, that's how our fairness doctrine of the FCC got struck down finally under Reagan was because, um, you know, there was fear that it would create this chilling effect because you couldn't if you had to cover issues fairly, if the government dictates which issues are important and which ones aren't, maybe we would know that COVID was real. We would talk more about climate change. We'd have to give people a platform uh, who are being attacked by mainstream news. And I'm not saying the fairness doctrine would solve all of our problems. I think we need stronger anti-hate laws. What I'm saying is, yeah, we do need to restrict a certain amount of freedom of speech. And no, I'm not coming for randos on Twitter. We're talking about f- speech not being equal. I love how we're all like I the, some, you know, the left and the right have this like bizarre sort of melding when it comes to freedom of speech in the First Amendment, where you think we're all in a fucking libertarian Petri dish. Like I have the same voice as Tucker Carlson. Are you fucking kidding me? So, of course, we should be holding people who have a brought a bigger platform to a higher standard right and again we have laws in this country death threats libel laws slanderous laws we're in like week 19 of a trial between two celebrities about 
like who was more abusive to whom? <laughs> like that shit's happening. Like when are we dragging Tucker Carlson and all these other white nationalists on Fox News in front of courts like this? Um. Anyway, uh, fuck, man, I'll settle for a set Surgeon's General warning before any kind of programming, some kind of delineation. What's opinion? What's fact? Let's talk about it. But anyway, that's where that's where my mind is at. And uh, my heart goes out to Buffalo. My heart goes out to the families and the community members. And um, I hope we can all support them. There's a lot of community organizations. There are food banks that are taking donations um, and and pantries that are taking donations. But also really what we can do is pass gun control and pass any kind of fucking anti-hate speech legislation so we can rein in this bullshit and 18-year-olds are not fed a toxic sludge of, of, of misinformation. Anyway, with that chin scratch, I digress. Let us move on and bring in for the rest of the show, he is the co-host of Street Fight Radio, the number one anarcho-comedy radio show. Hell yeah. And he's been doing the podcast for more than 10 years out of Columbus, Ohio. And he joins me from Columbus, Ohio. Please welcome Mr. Brett Payne. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, I love to bring the mood real down and then bring in my guests and be like, be funny. Yeah, I was uh, listening and I was like, man, I don't know if I have, I don't think I can bitch harder than this. I don't think I have anything. <laughs> I think you're, you're taking care of all of it off the top. I love it. You know, let the steam out. You're absolutely right. I yeah. agree with you a hundred percent. You know, this stuff has to be addressed like head on. And uh, you know, these are the people that are in our own communities that are a danger to other people, you know, and uh, yeah. a lot of them are the police you know, as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's mm -hmm. one, that's how they get away with a lot of it too. You know? Absolutely. If he had only joined the armed forces or become a cop, he could legally beat black Americans. Right. Um, no, it's, it, it just never ending. And like, how much can you ask people to take? Um, but I got to ask you, Brett, what are you bitching about? There's so much of it happening, but maybe there's something small and insignificant in your life that that really just crawled up your butt and died. Whatever it is, tell me. Yeah, um, my the the thing that's sawing my dick off this week is uh, Facebook Marketplace. It's Ooh. the worst. I I got divorced last year, and I had a whole Congrats. bunch of bicycles. Thank you. <laughs> that is the appropriate response when it did. I'm very pro divorce. I agree. And so I am now too. Like I want everybody to get one. To, I mean, it's such a wonderful <laughs> rebirth. Um, but I had about I had about like five or six bikes I was supposed to fix up. You know, one of those projects type things got away mm -hmm. from me. And uh, I had been telling my ex wife forever, like I'm going to sell them. I'm going to sell them, and I didn't do it. And now I've been out of the house, and they're in the shed, and I have to get rid of them. And I put them on Facebook Marketplace and immediately I was reminded why I didn't want to sell the bikes because it's just 50 scams. Immediately, it's just people that like text me your phone number. Uh, I want to pay on yeah. Zelle. I'll pay twice as much if you let me use Cash App and all this. 
Right, because if it was anything over like $500, we're like, ooh, you know? Yeah, there's so much credit card fraud and tech. I think they're, they're also just trying to get text. Like I've, I got burned on a few people because they were like, hey, let's text about this. And I'm like, okay, maybe they want to trade me weed or something for it. You know, like get it off of Facebook <laughs> Messenger. Right. And then I reply. I love how you'd be open to that. Like, okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah, I take barters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then it's like, uh, then they... I, they respond, they, I respond to them. And then all that happens is I get a bunch of like, we can make your dick harder or we can lower your mortgage mm-hmm. rate text messages like endlessly mm-hmm. <laughs> until I absolutely fight them back. Yeah. What are you wearing? What are you wearing type? Yes. Like, uh, all of this, but then scam text. all the, like y- the ones that really convinced me the most, I mean, you're talking to someone who's had like a scammer on the phone for like half an hour because I was convinced that I could get, a seven day vacation to Punta Cana for only like $500. And I was like, really? <laughs> um, but the ones that convinced me are the ones where it's like you up or like, Hey, what's going on? And you're like, Oh my God, this is a friend, you know, and or a booty call. I've done that. Yeah. I've hit, I've um, hit some very dirty links off of uh, like, Hey, what's up, man. It's just like, Oh shit. I'll click on. No, I shouldn't have clicked on it. Oh shit. Nancy Pelosi just wants me to donate again. Right. I used to get, I was getting the Beto Texas emails just because that guy is such a weird figure. I was fascinated with him for a while, but I had to stop because they kept asking for asking me for Beto money like once a week. (laughs) There's got to be a limit. Um, I I have now everything in my text messages, just maybe Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Like that's what it is, but it's always someone else. But it's like maybe Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie's calling you. Bernie adjacent. (laughs) Uh-huh, yeah. So uh-huh. if it's not bird or someone like him. if it's not the scams, this one really made me mad. Now, when it comes to bikes, there's sizes on them. There's a size yeah. because so, people are taller, people are shorter. Um, so I measured the bike and I was like, I put in the listing. This bike would be perfect for someone that's five eight to five ten. Okay. And I get somebody that finally messages me. They don't want to pay with Zell and they don't want to do a text message. They say, "I'll. I'm interested in the bike. I'd love to come by tomorrow and buy it." I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Um, and then they said, I'm 5'3". Do you think this bike would work for me? I was like, no, it's not. You're five inches off of the minimum that I said there. Um, and even the guy I sold it to, he was talking about fixing it up for himself. And he was like shorter than me when I got there. And I'm like, it's, it's, it doesn't work like that. People don't understand bikes. We need to do more bike education in our schools yep. because people don't understand them. Oh, I'm terrible on bikes. I figured, oh, you could just raise the seat and it'll, <laughs> right. it'll be all good. It's universal. Why not? But that's okay. Get your money and whatever. Yeah. Um, you still have a bike though, correct? I, you didn't need the money. No, no. I mean, I needed the money. Hell yeah, I needed the money. I just had too many bikes. I used to work on them, go. fix them up and, you know, get them to people. But now I just need one. That's smart. That's smart. Look, you're downsizing. Getting rid of the wife, getting rid of the bikes. I get it. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the things that happened this week. Um, just a little bit of a roundup. So uh, this was the week where crypto uh, crashed, just nosedive, uh, which means your Bitcoin, uh, your Bitcoin bro X will also be crashing on your couch. Um, of course, like all financial debacles, this one will be felt by those who have been 
who have the most to lose, really, who have the least amount of money. And in a year's time, a new class of rubes will be lulled into investing in a digital art of someone fucking their mom. Uh, I do think now that uh, the L.A. Staples Center, which was renamed Crypto.com Stadium, should just be given to the actual Crips of Los Angeles. Like, they've been around a lot longer. They deserve it. They probably have less blood on their hands, let's be honest. Um, Meanwhile, Elon Musk's plans, uh, as of now, to buy Twitter are in a holding pattern. And yet he said that if he were allowed to purchase Twitter, he would allow former President Trump back on the platform, to which a clearly clean diaper Donnie said that he's sticking with his new flailing platform, Truth Social, and that, quote, only a stupid person would buy Twitter for as much as Musk did, even then correctly saying that Musk might have bought his shares illegally, um, which is what he's now being investigated for, which is so funny that Trump, I love when, like, just it's that broken, you know, the broken clock, the clean diapy, like when he's well rested and is correct but like he 100 percent will be back on twitter oh for sure 100 percent. sure if he knows that door is open he's crawling back in but also just the just the meanest asshole just perfectly cutting (laughs) really just really like making a horrible move and somehow making the other guy that spent more money look worse you know absolutely i mean you gotta hand to him exactly you can always be the bigger asshole in any situation um, and like, yeah, we all know true social will fail in three months, but like, look, say what you will, it will have lasted longer than CNN plus. So got that. Um, Russia cut off the energy supply to neighboring Finland after the country announced that they wanted to join NATO. Obviously Finland's making a smart move here. They know they need an insurance policy and that being renowned for a young prime minister who goes clubbing and salt licorice just isn't enough global security right now. It's, you, you, can't, you just can't. I mean, nobody really likes black licorice or salt licorice. Yeah, they didn't. They it's haven't done gone. enough like pop ups at like I at like breweries or something. They need to really get like, you know, the IPA bros into like this is disgusting. And if you can stand it, you're like really manly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then then you don't even need to join NATO. We'll just give you a bunch of weapons and, and arms. Um, move our breweries over there. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow's company Goop released a spoof product called the Diaper, or Diaper, a luxury diaper lined with alpaca fur in order to draw attention to the cost of diapers. Of course, it is not actually real, but the problem is, is that we all thought it was because it's Goop. This is as effective as Trump releasing like a fake video of himself talking about installing mirrors on the floor so he can look up women's skirts at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, to draw attention to sexual harassment and we're all like oh oh it's fake oh cool thanks for joining the struggle like Gwyneth why don't you start drawing attention to the COVID-19 vaccine because we all know you haven't gotten that yeah we used to talk about the uh, earth being flat a lot of times on street fight and uh, that Uh was definitely the pullback moment when it's like these guys are flat earthers and they're able to you know shake hands with socialists and it's like okay come on guys too much don't i'm don't believe (laughs) don't believe the hype exactly we can we can come together we can build like a it's a it's a network solidarity like no i don't think so what how do you march with someone who thinks they're maybe about to like fall off the earth at any point very difficult 
Um, they always want you to go first. In the Philippines, uh, Bongbong Marcos, the son of former dictator Ferdinand Marcos, has won the presidential election. That's right. His name is Bongbong. That's his nickname. Um, obviously, thanks to everyone forgetting who the fuck his father, Ferdinand Marcos, was uh, and what he did, which was murder, torture, and rob the country blind. That amnesia is apparently thanks to TikTok. Uh, where pro-Marcos accounts have flooded the country with misinformation, the general population in the Philippines now thinks that the thousands of murdered were simply part of, like, an internet craze called the Disappearing Challenge. And they were just, like, really good at it. <laughs> that was a joke, Brett, but maybe poorly delivered. For everything else, this is The Week Where. So this was the week where forced motherhood is looking even worse than before as there is a massive shortage in baby formula. In fact, 40% of baby products are out of stock because America really wants you to have a baby and cares about it. And we'll, swear to, we'll take care of it. Oh, hell yeah. Put it over there. Just put it over there. Just put it. Put it down. Have it. Put it down over there. Oh, I'm sorry. You got a hospital bill? Oh, dude, that sucks. Bye. Um, and that scares me. I am a pregnant person currently. And uh, I just like, what if I have a baby that can't latch? You know what I mean? What if I have, what if I get a good job? What if I have like an acting job? Well, I've got a star like opposite Jason Momoa for many months on an island, just alone. Why do I sound like Trump? Anyway, um, like that scares me if you can't get formula. Of course, Republicans are blaming Biden for literally no reason. And the question everyone is asking is why? Okay, what's going on? Are there more babies? Do they not like boobs? What is happening? And in short, no, there aren't really more babies. Um, the Atlantic had a really good summary, which is basically like parents in 2020 were hoarding formula and then demand fell because there was less birth actually in 2020 and 2021 because people were like, oh, my God, I don't think there's, there's a future. And there's still not a future, but there's a, we got a few more years. Then leading suppliers cut back production through 2021, and now with more new mothers demanding more formula in 2022, orders are surging faster than supply is recovering. Now, that is the most benign reading of what's happening. Like, that's the most like, okay, a little bit of a dip in demand, then it came back, blah dee blah This is the, yeah, the economy 101 thing. This is like basically everybody's knowledge of... The prices and availability of things on social media is that supply goes up, you know, demand goes down, whatever, you know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yet, of course, there's way more going on that has entered me into a dark realm of like a baby formula racket that I fucking had no idea existed. And I think a lot of people didn't. And so let's go through the steps. So number one, we had this recall. So one of the companies that makes baby formulas called Abbott. Um, and they had a contamination and um, due to neglect and, and two babies died and they had to halt production. So they halted production in February after Similac, uh, Alimentum and L care products were called due to bacterial infections that led to two infant deaths. The FDA and Abbott launched investigations into the baby formula products and the FDA commissioner, Dr. Robert M. Califf said Tuesday in a statement, we're doing everything in our power to ensure there's adequate product available, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now that all stemmed actually from a whistleblower who late last year 
called out basically like sent the FDA a warning and said, look at the, one of these Abbott plants, there are lax sanitation practices. Testing is not being done or it's being straight up falsified. So that's, that's another thing. So it's like, okay, one of the major manufacturers had to have a recall. We could blame that. All right. That's layer two. Layer three is monopolies. So in fact, um, there's a mega monopoly as of 2018, only four companies, Abbott, which we just mentioned, uh, Reckitt, Ben, um, Bankseer, Bankkisser, Bankkisser, that's what I'm going with, that makes Ephemil, Nestle, which makes Gerber, and Perigo, which makes store brand formula, control 89% of the U.S. market. So any disruption to one of their products will be magnified, whether it's a recall for Similac or inability to source ingredients. And a few... A few companies in the market relying on the same sources creates a much more fragile supply chain, and this is, which we're all learning about. Yeah, and this is what reminds me. Me and Brian talked about, and this began when we first started Street Fight, was like people told us like the thing with communism, the worst part is that there's only like one person doing a thing. But if you scratch the surface of any industry in America, there's only one person doing the thing. we've got people going to Gerber and people going to Nestle. You've got two ad teams competing against each other, doing this just fake, fake thing to sell the same powder. It's just, it's just nutritional powder. It doesn't need to be advertised. It does not need, we don't need to convince somebody that this one will make your baby into a superhuman, you know, or this one is a less premium. Mm -hmm. It's just something that needs to exist. We don't have to figure out how to make the most money on something like this. No, exactly. Like if you, if everyone could just get some pa- like nutritional powder um, sent to them, no brand needed. Exactly. No, no advertising, no happy babies, no stage moms with their little kids going to Gerber being like, look, let her be the next face of no. It's just something we all need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, this was something I'm so glad I missed. I totally missed the like breast is best thing. I never shamed anybody. Um, enough of my friends like had situations that like you just you don't get to pick how your baby turns out. You don't get to pick how it your body reacts. You get to pick none of this. It's all a dice roll. And, and we do such a disservice to women to treat it as like, it's just a miracle that happens, you know, from storks and shit, you know, and there's no realistic um, education or confrontation of what it is, you know, to have a baby and what happens like, you know, before, like people are just now finding out before formulas, these babies die, babies just died, you know, like that was what happened. That that was, yeah, that was the case. So, um, I was thinking, like, if I can't breastfeed, would I just – obviously, I think you do supplement at some point with formula. But, like, I know people who have kids. Like, what's the right way to ask someone for their breast milk? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, what's up? Oh, you want to come over? Like, is it, like, the way that I'm, like, trying to butter someone up so they take care of my cat? You know? Like, where it's like, oh, I'll invite you over to dinner. And then in exchange, could I have some of that breast milk? You know, I don't. You got to. You gotta, it's awkward. Get on the bodybuilding forums. They've got a whole marketplace set up. God, I bet. <laughs> it is, as Brett was saying, um, just dehydrated cow's milk, vitamins, and a ton of sugar. And yet, somehow it costs at least $150 and as much as $428 a month. 
high enough to sustain a mass crime ring. And the reason I say that, this is quoting from the American Prospect, is because it did sustain a mass crime ring because of that's how valuable it is. Um, even before the price jumped 18% over the past year. So there's a monopoly. It's totally overinflated in terms of pricing. Um, and yes, in fact, there is a program called WIC in the United States where uh, you can get access. I think poor working class, I think you have to qualify for the WIC program. Mothers and family members can get um, formula. The problem is, is that formula is still just coming from those four companies. And if those four companies, it, this is like a government handout to them. That's perfect for them. They get government subsidies to supply this, you know, cheaper formula and then they fucking are reaping all the benefits and they have. So I want to just go into, you know, the entire, the like, the the, the recall, etc. What turns out that Abbott, Abbott companies, instead of basically fixing or testing or doing all the things that they needed to do that the whistleblower pointed out that they needed to do, instead they were busy buying back their own stock, buying their dividends, and making bank for their shareholders this entire time. Um, this is, and this is also the this is the same where I get socialist and communist about everything. Is like it's fun to compete with businesses when it comes to like making your own clothes or like the best damn ribs in town. That's really fun to have capitalism <laughs> and see who can really sell the most in town. Baby it's formula totally. does not need to be treated like this because they're cutting corners for financial gains. They're cutting corners to get extra houses, to get a little bit extra bonus or golden parachutes and all those things. And they're putting the general public's health at risk because they're in a class that won't be affected by any of this. Mm -hmm. Baby back ribs, capitalism good. Baby formula, capitalism bad. I've got it. (laughs) Um, Two more pieces of this because it just gets more bizarre. Obviously, those companies have a massive lobbying wing. And during the Trump administration, U.S. delegates to the United Nations um, threatened countries with trade sanctions and withdrawal of military aid if they supported an anodyne international resolution in support of breastfeeding as a healthy options for infants. So, again, the opposite of the breast is best shaming, which is the pushing of formula that was stage managed by the baby formula industry which particularly wanted to keep its lock on the developing world the interests of private monopolists were put ahead of public health and security fun one more thing during the trump years it's unclear how the lobbying affected this but it's clear what trump did do which was restrict the importation of formula that does meet FDA requirements, specifically the formula from Canada. So essentially, the tax on formula imports could exceed 17%. And because under uh, under President Donald Trump, the U.S. entered into a new North American trade agreement, it actively discouraged formula imports from our largest trading partner. So this is just just like... Your buddy has like the worst, worst friend in the world. And he's like, I swear to God, this guy's he's our guy. He can take care of anything. We don't need any outside. We don't need any sort of imports or anything. You know, American formula. We got it. You know, and it's like, you don't. You failed. It, it, it took very little time for you to fail at this. Absolutely. And 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 it's funny because like I'm at, I'm I'm I maybe I missed the quote, but I'm just glad that like I didn't hear Trump on like any kind of campaign trail or stump speech talk about like beautiful babies needing their milk. 
And when the breast doesn't work, when they need their beauty, you know, they need their nutrients, their sugar. Like, I'm just, oh, but you could totally like if he knew that that could have been a talking point, you know, American made milk with my American women um, that, you know, he would have made it a talking point. Um, So then the final piece on this lobbying is that, of course, in 2014, they this same conglomerate of baby formula racketeers. successfully mobilized against a 2014 proposal from the FDA to increase safety inspections of plants used to manufacture baby formula. And what did that do? The rules reduced the frequency of stability testing for new infant formulas from every three months to every four months. The FDA also provided a number of exemptions for manufacturers, allowing them to shirk testing requirements if the new infant formula will likely not differ from the stability of formulas with a similar similar composition, blah, 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 blah. Effectively, it allowed for the exact same bacterial infections that they were supposed to be testing for that infants died from more recently in 2021 um, and led to the recall. So the same shit that happened in 2014, the deregulation, all the lobbying efforts, it paid off. They cut corners and then kids died. Yeah, and uh, they they get a i don't know how you can get away with it fucking with baby food i mean it just seems like the most evil you know 1980s um you know kid crime solving type show you know <laughs> it sounds like the bad guy in like uh in break in a breaking movie or something it's just like totally how mcgruff was talking about it like keep kids off drugs and watch out for baby formula yeah i don't know the government yeah the government isn't testing the formula enough i don't i don't know why we would put kids health uh, at risk like this. I mean, I even thought these fuckers, at least like conservatives were like, Oh, adults kill them all, but babies are precious. You know, <laughs> like we can't even agree that the health of a baby is, is uh, something to put above profit. Absolutely not. And like, I I've been thinking, and then we should move on, you know, given all the anti-abortion stuff, which we'll talk about in the bonus episode of like threatening to abort my kid unless a right winger pays for my medical bills to have it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I could extort some money out of them. Yeah. Like you, there should be more efforts. Women, pregnant women across the country. Let us band together and call their bluff because seriously, they don't give a shit whether the people who have kids can afford to even birth them. Yeah. They don't even care if they live. They don't even care if the baby lives. You need to go to like a Planned Parenthood with like an invoice. And then one of those people like are hollering over the fence. You walk over and just like show them the cost associated. And Absolutely. Absolutely. What is the cost associated with an average prenatal care visit? Pay it, bitch. Pay it. I had to run out. On Otherwise. I ran out what? on ours. We had to run out on it. It was like a $7,000 bill came in the mail. And it's like, we're moving out of the state. Fuck you, Texas. <laughs> Literally, that is the option. That is pretty much the only option. All right, let's move on um, to a still uh, like somehow another horribly dark topic, but I'm so glad Brett is here. Um, it is Nakba Day today. For those of y'all who don't know, May 15th, it is the the catastrophe day um, is what Nakba means. Um, and it commemorates the displacement of Palestinians from their homes after the state of Israel was established. And of course, that came along with massive removal um a lot of uh zionists love to say it was voluntary lol (laughs) when (laughs) there's like um 
insane armed groups and militias around you moving in and trying to take your homes. I think for your safety, you move. Um, yeah, and if you ever have, yeah, I was fortunate enough uh, at, at a job early on. Uh, I had met somebody, worked with somebody that's from Jordan, whose like parents' name was in the book, and they told me all about it. I was lucky enough to get hip to it pretty early on and listen to what they were saying because, uh, you know, yeah. it's still uh, not it's still not like regular information. Like it's still not known. It's not in the education system, and um, you know, people don't want to hear it. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. And they they think that you're being anti-Semitic if you even talk about it. And yet, you know, you don't even need to go back that far in Amer- in uh, Israel-Palestine history to understand what's going on and which side justice is on and which side uh, the oppression is coming from. <laughs> because this week, um, Palestinian-American Shireen Abu Akleh, 25-year veteran journalist of Al Jazeera, who reported from the occupied West Bank, was murdered um, in what looks like pretty much a targeted um, Israeli military attack. was definitely the Israeli military. Seems like more and more was targeted. And I want to play a little clip from a former colleague of mine and friend, Dina Takuri of AJ Plus, describing exactly what happened and also the ensuing cover-up that Israel then tried to wage. Here's what we know happened. Shireen was covering an Israeli raid in Jenin, a city in the north of the occupied West Bank. She was wearing a helmet and a flak jacket, which clearly identified her as press. Shireen was shot behind her ear, underneath the helmet, killed by Israeli fire. Journalist Shada Hanaisha was standing right next to Shireen when she was shot. And it isn't just one eyewitness account. There were multiple people who all said the same thing. But it didn't matter what eyewitnesses said. Israel's goal was to deny responsibility and create confusion. And it did so deliberately by blaming Palestinians. A few hours after the shooting, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett tweeted out this video. Saying that Palestinians were firing indiscriminately and falsely suggested that Palestinians were responsible for Shireen's death. And that suggestion then led to many mainstream media outlets creating headlines like these. This isn't just coincidence. The Israeli government knows how to use its statements to manipulate mainstream media. An official even took credit for their, quote, PR blitz, saying they had successfully influenced the Associated Press and BBC's coverage to cast doubt over who had killed Shireen. But here's the thing. According to witnesses at the location where Shireen was shot, <laughs> Ali Samoudi is another journalist who was shot at the scene. His eyewitness testimony immediately debunked Israel's claims. But the most damning rebuttal came from Beit Selim, a leading Israeli human rights organization. Beit Selim researchers actually analyzed the video shared by the Israeli government. They went and refilmed the location to show that the Palestinians in this video were not responsible for Shireen's death because there was virtually no way their bullets could have reached her. 
I think it's worth pointing out that this uh, propaganda line was propagated by no less than the Israeli Prime Minister, Foreign Minister, Defense Minister, other ministers, and the IDF spokesperson. It was only after Beit Salem's video that anyone in the Israeli government walked back the claim blaming Palestinians for Shirin's death. Israel's army chief then issued a statement saying we cannot determine by whose fire she was So they initially swore it was Palestinians, Palestinian militants, even though, and I apologize for not uh, having the translation for the podcast listeners, but the, the, the Arabic translations that you heard um, were her colleagues saying exactly that, that there were no armed people around the Palestinian, there were no like sort of opposition forces or anyone clashing with the Israeli military at that time. This is, um... And one of them was actually shot himself but the Israeli government, yeah, didn't listen until uh, Beth Salem had to do their own separate reporting. And then they're like, OK, maybe we don't know who killed her. Mm. Yeah, this is um, this is uh, similar to like the Khashoggi thing in uh, that, like the these powers are going to push the button a little harder. You know, like they're going to kill a journalist um, just to keep that fear out there. I mean, I, I she is absolutely, you know on another level of bravery to, to do that much reporting. I watched the videos too and saw how long this, that, you know, she'd been doing this and uh, you know, this is a big part of what to expect because regardless of what um, the narrative that gets out to the media is like on the, on the ground, people know what's happening. Um, And and I'm convinced I've seen enough. And, uh, and I don't know how we can make more headway on this issue because it's getting out of control that this, something like this can happen. Yeah. And and yet, you know, it's amazing. You you compared to Khashoggi. And I think that's a really good comparison um, in two ways. One, because how it's similar and one, how it's different. You know, it, it is different because the reaction to Jamal Khashoggi's murder by, I think, a lot of other journalists who are not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, Palestinian or Arab or work for Al Jazeera, who like know a little bit about this issue or are not afraid to cover the issue. The reaction was so different when Jamal Khashoggi was murdered. There was way more outcry. There was way more mainstream news coverage. And, of course, when it comes to Palestine, oh, just chalk it up to uh, people who can't get along. Okay, that's yeah. great. That's an American Palestinian journalist can be killed and will just turn the other way. And that outrage included even people within uh in in government right i mean i think that this was the first time you saw a little bit of a line drawn in the sand between the saudi government and the american government um even though ultimately um i believe we advanced a bill to you know uh, to stop funding saudi with weapons in in you know it's ongoing like war on yemen and of course it's ongoing human rights violations generally and of course trump like vetoed that but it so that's you know that's where it's a little different and you know it's also different because like now we've got biden yeah. and you would imagine that maybe there'd be more of a reaction but kind of as with the khashoggi thing nothing's happened yeah in terms of holding saudi accountable and ned price the state department spokesperson in terms of this murder of shireen said that he trusted the israeli government to investigate themselves that's all we've got. I mean, they've got the longest leash possible. And that's why these things will happen um, as long as like American Christians believe that it's some special holy land in the Bible where whatever they do is ordained by God, you know? Yep. 
I mean, that's where I feel like I'm coming up against when it comes to like my in-laws, you know, and other than that, it's like, you know, liberals concerned trolling me for, for attacking Jews or something, you know? So <laughs> it's hard to win out here in Ohio. There's not, a, I mean, even at the Ohio state campus, I imagine someone would get punched in the face, you know, uh, for yeah. the Palestine rally. I know we have had them. I've been to them. They exist, but um, the numbers just aren't there. It's, it's a sad It is situation. tough. I mean, I think, yeah. And, and the only hope that I have is that I think more and more there's, there's, there's a breakthrough of news and media yeah. and this, it's a horrible uh, consolation prize for murder, but it is true that slowly but surely it gets through. And I think that, you know, people like representative Rashida Tlaib being able to call out the $3.8 billion of funding every year that the United States gives Israel is really important. And I think like we need to stop parsing the like, well, is it for the military or is it for the country? I don't think they mm-hmm. need it at all. I don't I think like they're good on both of those levels. How about just no more funding generally, but definitely ending the funding for occupation? Yeah. And the young people I know now that are high school age and in college age, uh, just friends, kids and stuff like that, they're way more have access to stuff. And it's it is at this point very undeniable. Early on in my days, um, I read the Chomsky book, Hegemony or Survival, which yeah. um, explained a lot of that stuff. Um, but as like stuff like Gaza Fights for Freedom or Five Broken Cameras, like I always try to watch one of those because it just tears your heart out. And it reminds you like why you have to keep telling people it's that people are annoyed. People don't want to hear that there's bad stuff, that Israel is doing bad stuff and they're going to be mad at you, but you have to steal yourself and you have to really understand like how dire of a situation is over there. And, and until we make it a a big enough problem uh, globally, I don't know, you know, how much hope there is. And and Americans are the ones funding it too. But I agree with you as well is that like the snowball is building, we're rolling downhill, the snowball is building, um, it's going to be hard to, to support um, all of this, you know, as time goes on. Absolutely. And, and those that what you mentioned are documentaries, five broken cameras is great doc. I want to also just shout out, there's a new doc and I've never seen a funny doc on Palestine, but the doc mayor, which just came out, I believe last year, which is about the mayor of Ramallah is so funny and really good. It's just like a great fucking documentary. Everyone should see mayor. Cool. It's, it's like how like finding humor amidst the occupation as you're like trying to be the mayor of a normal town in Palestine, you know, or like in the what are occupied territories. It's it. just it's I mean, so I understand the impulse. Yeah, I mean, there's humor everywhere and tragedy. Yeah. It, it really blunts the tragedy of a lot of stuff. So yes, I get it. That sounds we, wonderful. I can't wait to check we, it out. Yeah, yeah. We we and we need it. We need that to be able to keep on talking about this shit. Um, and we need it in our next segment. Super excited to welcome him into the show. Um, Senior editor and reporter at The Lever, a reader-supported investigative news organization holding power accountable. He writes about money and politics and corporate influence. Please welcome Andrew Perez. What's going on, Andrew? You know, just hanging out on a Sunday. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. Uh, Sundays are dead, by the way. I killed them. And so did Brett. We both have shows (laughs) on Sundays, so clearly we hate the Lord. It's a good podcasting day. <laughs> we is, put our bubs, yeah, ourselves yeah, yeah. above the Lord. We do our sermons. Yeah. This is alternative <laughs> sermons. That's exactly right. Um, and Andrew, I wanted to have you on because of your reporting around um, all of the 
the wheelings and dealings, the decades of work that have gone into this current, um, you know, uh, awful retrograde reactionary SCOTUS that we currently have that is about to obliterate Roe v. Wade. Um, and you wrote a great piece for The Lever about Roe. Um, and I wanted to just, you know, a couple of th- more things happened this week. Obviously, the Women's Health Protection Act was voted down by um, the Senate including Joe Manchin. So all 50 Republicans Mm -hmm. and motherfucking Joe Manchin, it would not have gone anywhere had he voted for it because it is not Mm -hmm. filibuster proof. Um, But I wanted to just ask you, where do you think we go from here with this leak? Do you think considering we don't know who leaked it, but we kind of assume it's a conservative. um, Do you think this is going to entrench those five conservative justices and their votes or do you think they're, or it, will it not have that impact? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard to say. It sounds, you know, there have been some reports that um, that there's like still kind of internal jockeying that like John Roberts is trying to get, you know, a kind of more moderate uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. Right. But like e- even even his proposal is you know, not, not altogether dissimilar from, from what we're talking about here. They would basically just effectively what they're they're saying. Yeah. They're saying that it would uh, like protect uh, abortion rights within the first like 15 weeks. That's not, it's not like a realistic, you know, proposal here. And it it probably doesn't matter because, because, you know, the conservatives on the court, the, the, the like hardline conservatives have the votes. They already have the votes. You know, you're talking about a six, three, conservative supermajority here. So it doesn't really matter what John Roberts, you know, wants or thinks at some level at this point. It just does not really matter. Right. Even if he goes all in on convincing them to dismantle it a little bit less or leave like one mm-hmm. tiny little small, yeah, shaky pillar, leave the framework. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah, effectively is going to be the same thing. Um but okay, so yeah. tell us tell us about who is who in the hell is Leonard Leo and how does he factor in to the current situation that this country finds itself? Sure. Um, so Leonard Leo was uh, Trump's judicial advisor. Um, he kind of picked these court picks, uh, you know, Gorsuch, uh, Kavanaugh and, and Amy Coney Barrett. Um, he was he was like Trump's like consigliere. And, and he, he's a longtime executive um, at the Federalist Society which is a, you know, maybe it's sort of a household name at this point, but it's, it's like a conservative lawyers network in Washington. Um, It's not, you know, they, they, they sort of, if you, I've been to like an event or two from them, it's sort of stodgy group, you know, but like you realize like everyone in the Trump administration was from there. Um, Like, like up and down the, the, the ranks of his, of his administration, it was just packed with people from FedSoc. Um, and, but, and Amy Coney you know, Barrett so, and Gorsuch and even Kavanaugh, were they all part of the Federalist Society as well? Yeah, I mean, I believe mm-hmm. so. I, you know, so he helped make these picks like these are his picks. Um, and, you know, so Gorsuch actually in 2017 and I think more recently he did, too. But he he like addressed the FedSoc conference like um, right. in 2017, like after after his uh, confirmation, um, like. They did this whole Union Station event. He was like the guy, like the keynote speaker. And it was, you know, it was all it was all like so, so funny where they they were like, or sorry, to, to the people present, like about how, you know, he was like 
Like this isn't some shadowy cabal. Like it's just the Federalist Society. You know, they they have like networks. Of, like, oh, we college. are a shadowy cabal. Yeah. These are the people that yeah, eat, exactly. like four dozen oysters with Anton Scalia. Is it those people? Yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know, so the Federalist Society is sort of like the public face. But like behind the scenes, since two thousand five, Leo has been running a, a dark money network called the Judicial Crisis Network. Um, and so it was formed to back uh, Roberts and Alito to the Supreme Court in 2005. And since then, they, you know, they've been pretty active. Like they, they, they've basically spent like at least they've pledged to spend around $10 million per pick um, for each of those. And they, they've also gotten involved like, you know, they, they're like the biggest funder of the Republican Attorneys General Association. They, they get involved in like state Supreme Court fights. Nice. Um, they, they helped, I mean, this, this really kind of struck me. They like helped fund a campaign to reinstate the death penalty in Nebraska a few years ago. Um, and they like, so the, the judicial crisis network is like one of the darkest money groups you'll ever find. Like there are ways to kind of like reverse engineer who donates to where, like, you know, if they're getting money from nonprofits, like that's, and it's, it's really common for nonprofits to get money from other nonprofits. You never find that for this group. Like there's only one donor that's been disclosed in the last, like probably 12 years at the least. Um, and so the, and it was, the it backbone was, of their bullshit thinking is um, what pro death penalty, anti-choice, anti-abortion. Um, I'm assuming pro corporate personhood. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think the real, I, I do think the real issue for them has been abortion. Um, that like that's that's got to be like a front and center issue. Um, maybe, and you know, this group maybe like, they just got arrogant yeah. after the first two got in. They're like, "Fuck it, we'll bring back the death penalty too." Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so they um they they also spread money around. Like this whole network spreads money to other conservative groups, like. Like, you know, the one of the like a bunch of the people you'll see on Fox News, like defending the court picks, like their groups also get money from them, like groups like the Tea Party Patriots or like Independent Women's Forum. You might see Carrie Severino. She she works for JCN. She's like their public face. And she, um, you know, writes columns like for like Fox and or goes on Fox a lot. She writes columns for like National Review and The Federalist. You know, the the horrible, like weird conservative group, the Federalist, um, mm-hmm. you know, Molly Hemingway, like has been a big, you know, big defender of all these mm-hmm. people. Um, and so and, you know, so JCN, I think I think this whole network, they also give money to like the Real Clear Politics Foundation, which is like really tied up with the Federalist now, too. Um, so, you know, they, they've like really spread money around like in every which way to kind of build an echo chamber that, you know, for for conservative justices. Um, they spent a bunch of money against Merrick Garland into into uh, 2016, basically running like an air cover campaign to say like uh, you know the people deserve a vote in the Supreme mm. Court. You know, vote Trump or sorry, vote vote or vote Republican and or thank thank Chuck Grassley for fighting for you know our right to vote on the Supreme Court or just crap. Now, like that. are they directly contributing? Are these like campaign contributions to people like Grassley or Mitch McConnell or that? Or is it like we're gonna run these yeah parallel uh, media blitzes in order to bolster yeah, they, what they're doing in Congress? Yeah, they they run TV ads. Like they run TV ads. They and they fund all these other groups that that you know support the same premise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, important to note, they have like a very, you know, captive like ally system here, right? Like, like Mitch McConnell is with them, right? Like they're, they're, they're in lockstep on, on fully in lockstep on strategy. Yeah. Like Mitch McConnell didn't need to be convinced not to seat Merrick Garland, right? Like, but here they gave him like the air pressure or the air support campaign to help to help you know make that uh, a little a little more palatable to the American since two thousand and five, that's a long time. And so not only you've got so they've got their wish right. Their wish is the Republican president's command. So with mm-hmm. Roberts and Alito under Bush, and then yeah, and then these three over here um gorsuch mm-hmm. and and kavanaugh and amy coney bear were they like how long had those three new conservative justices appointed by trump um been groomed like how long had they been sort of waiting in the wings yeah i mean i guess it's kind of hard to say you know they <laughs> i can't i can't say too much about that other than you know so we knew in 2016 that like leo was advising trump already like trump 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 said, like, you know, like, we're, we're listening to the Federalist Society. We're, we're taking names from the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation. So, like, they, you know, they, they like, had a ready, you know, they had right. a plan. Well, so then here we have, I just wanted to play this uh, quick, um, I'll, I'll quickly play this quick clip um, where Nancy Pelosi is being asked on Face the Nation whether or not she saw this coming and this entire sort of right wing, far right plan to take over the Supreme court and abolish Roe v. Wade. And she's being asked in response to Gavin Newsom. And when Pelosi v. Gavin Newsom, when you're like on Newsom's side, you realize how far right our Democrats actually are. So take a look. California's governor, Gavin Newsom said Democrats have failed to target Republicans on this issue. Here's what he had to say. Where is the Democratic Party? Where's the party? Why aren't we calling this out? This is a concerted, coordinated effort. And yes, they're winning. We need to stand up. Where's the counteroffensive? Madam Speaker, why were pro-abortion rights Democrats outmaneuvered? I have, I have no idea. The fact is that we have been fighting for a woman's right to choose, and that is to choose. Uh, we have been fighting against the Republicans in the Congress constantly because the fact is they're anti- not just anti-woman's right to choose in terms of uh, terminating a pregnancy, but in terms of uh, access to contraception and family planning and the rest, both domestically and globally. Mm-hmm. This is a constant fight that we've had for generations, uh, decades, I should say, right. in my case, in the Congress. And uh, uh, the uh, we had been bipartisan early on support for a woman's right to choose until the politics uh, have changed. And that's what happened but, to the court. Yeah. The, the, the science hasn't changed. They, but the court changed, and therefore they're deciding uh, that it will be different. I have no idea why anybody would make that statement unless they were unaware of the fight that has been going on. Okay, that okay. The main, a few main key things. Obviously, this woman refuses to even say abortion. Um, but mm-hmm. specifically, I wanted to get your reaction, Andrew, to the how did you get outmaneuvered? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, there's you know there's like two things going on, like. The Federalist Society and like the Judicial Crisis Network were allowed to build from like 2015 to now without really any kind of opposition from the left, like or from the Democratic Party. 
really. Like, so there's this group called Demand uh, Demand Justice, which now has probably you know every bit as much money as like the Leo groups. Like, they have a ton of money, but like they have like pretty much no influence, right, in the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. And and here's here's the reason: it's because they have <laughs> because the Democratic Party has no court strategy. Yeah. Like, they don't want to add seats right now, and they also don't even universally support abortion rights, right? Like Joe Manchin is, 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 is allowed to freelance on this topic. And then Kirsten Cinema, you know, okay. So you pointed out they, that the bill wouldn't have even passed this week or last week. And that's because of the filibuster, right? And there's, there's no plan to, to eliminate the filibuster. They've allowed Manchin and Cinema to freelance on that topic and, pre- and prevent any changes from happening. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the Democrats for me on this, it's like, they're like, we've been telling them we don't want them to do that. And it's like, but you're playing like a board game. Like you're playing a real game with rules. They're redistricting. They're doing all kinds of stuff that you could at least copy off of. You could at least try mm-hmm. to win some territories mm-hmm. back. You could at least be unkind to them. Like they offer them so much graciousness and are like, doggone it. You know, uh, they cheated this time, but we have to let them win. It's, it's, yes. They've and, done this and, time. yeah. And there's never, there's never a litmus test when it comes to Democrats. There's a million litmus tests on the right. Oh, my God. If you don't kiss the ring properly in mm-hmm. this way and then back out of the room, you know, uh, in a certain way for Trump, like you don't go to Mar-a-Lago, you're fucking out, man. You look at Madison Cawthorn. I mean, it's hilarious. He's just have been booted from the castle <laughs> so quickly. And yet re- Democrats have no litmus test, including being pro-choice you can't even up until recently nancy pelosi was saying yeah you can be anti-choice and be a democrat and in fact we all know she's campaigning for henry cuellar in texas Mm -hmm. and everyone should go donate right now to jessica cisneros obviously but i wanted to ask you andrew if you were to craft like what could they this is what liberals ask me all the time like my mom, like centrists are like, what could we have done? You know, I love you, mom, if you're watching. But the point is, is that sometimes you ask these questions. And my question to you is, what could Democrats have done and what should they be doing in the future, especially when it comes to expanding the court? Yeah, well, I mean, they could have passed legislation to codify Roe v. Wade. Um, Like it's, you know, it's been the law of the land since 1973, effectively, but it it has never been codified uh, by 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 Congress, and like you know, there was a whole you know movement like in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, pushing that. Um, in, in in President Obama during his campaign, you know, talked about it about codifying Roe, and then they did not do it. Um, he, he in fact said like this is not something. This is not going to be my top legislation. In fact, issue. and I wanted to just say um, that he said specifically, like you cited in your article. First order of business is to codify Roe v. Wade and then gets in there yeah. and just drops it. Yep. Yep. And they, they had a big, you know, right now, like everything is sort of teetering on the knife's edge in the Senate, right? It's a 50-50 Senate. Um, so it, it does make things difficult. Obama had 59 senators and 60 for some time in his first two years in office. Um, so Yeah, the Democrats yeah. don't want to piss off Republicans. That's And it's the worst strategy ever. And all they do is not give a fuck about pissing us off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So at the same time, essentially, that something like the Judicial Crisis Network is gaining steam. Um, obviously, then they have the Citizens United, like fresh off that ruling. And you just see these dark money groups proliferating under Obama. The steps Obama could have taken to actually prevent 
any kind of like the, the shit that was happening under their nose. I mean, I hate when David Axelrod, who's Obama's like, you know, advisor was like, we had no idea. I was like, motherfucker, how didn't you know? Um, anyway, and so they weren't even able with those majorities you're saying to to actually pass and deliver for. I mean, all the all yeah. these all these groups that went out real hard, real hard for him. Play the game, win, just try to win. Yep. God damn it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there was there was no effort around that at all. Um, no, no effort whatsoever in, in, during the Obama administration to, to codify Roe. Um, and you know, yes. onto the courts topic, like, yeah, they they should be pushing ads. It's but it's. You know, obviously, like, as, as we were saying, like, the, the stupid politics within the party make that conversation impossible, right? Like, there's, like, Manchin and Cinema who will not, you know, endorse any plan to add court seats. Um, and then, but, like, I'm sure, I am sure that, like, they're not just speaking for themselves there. Like, in, in limiting the, in refusing to eliminate the filibuster. Like, yes. you know, ha- half of, not, maybe not half, but there, there's, like, a whole institutionalist element in the caucus that is just halfway brain dead at the very least um like and and just not prepared not prepared to fight really for anything um i can't and it, anyway yes i just yeah. can't believe that we are stopping progress with a majority because mm-hmm. of a fucking essentially parliamentary rule uh like a yeah that we can't suspend anything anyway keep going yeah yeah, I mean, worth stating, one of the things you can do in a 50-50 Senate with a 51-50 majority effectively, thanks to, to to Vice President Harris, one of the few things you can do is vote to change the rules. Like, they can change the filibuster. Like, it is a that is a rule that they can change. They can eliminate it today if they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, go for it. Like, that's all. Yeah, it's... it's Try yeah. the, the try the not trying the just always apologizing. Mm-hmm. It's like your friend that's always fucking up, and it's like all they have is apologies. And it's like right, but you got to get better. Like you got to try at some point. Like it's- but they're not they, they and Brett. I feel like it's even worse than that because what Nancy Pelosi and others have done um, is basically blame voters. Well, right. this is what happens mm-hmm. when you you know oh, finger wag at us. This is what happens when you, you know, vote third party or whatever the hell they're trying to like claim that Jill Stein was the problem or whatever the fuck or that Bernie bros blame whatever. Look, I have my shit with the left that was saying that Bernie and Hillary are the fucking same. Everybody knows that they were not the goddamn same. But like, how dare you put it on voters? How dare you then like shame us when you literally don't have a plan? And like you're saying, Andrew, you have the power right now. And it reminds me, I do think that making calls is worthy. And I will just, you know, if no matter where folks are, just fucking have your senator on speed dial. I don't care. Get to know their secretaries. Bless them slash I feel for them. Um, like talk, just just leave messages because you're absolutely right. There's no reason. What are we going to we We're like, what? No time before November, before we might lose the house. Ugh, I even hate saying we because I don't want to throw myself, lump us into the same, same into the same bucket. Anyway, um, any last thoughts before we move on to the final segment, Andrew? Yeah, it, it's you know, it's it's a really big shame. Like it's just it's a it's a horrible situation, and like you know, this it's not one of those situations where like nothing was like foreseeable. Like we kind of keep hearing that like nothing was foreseeable. Like it was completely foreseeable. Like. You know, we, we knew that's what this court was being built to yeah. do, to, to, to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's the entire point of, of, of the plan to, to build this court the way it is. And, you know, I mean, we can, we can even reflect on, like, why there is a 6'3 conservative supermajority. Like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg not retiring 
huge, huge mess up, yep. like huge fuck yep. up. Impossible to overstate how bad that is. That is that is the six in the six three majority. Yes, um, and 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 also Merrick Garland not getting seated is the other you know real real issue, right? It's just like Democrats with a few different like just a few changes right now could have a five four majority on that court instead of just getting fucking creamed right now like they are. It's it's it it is completely pathetic. Yeah. I mean, Leonard Leo, son of a bitch, but he had a plan. And uh, kudos to, I mean, the Machiavellians who get it done, I guess. Um, will you stay for just one more segment? All right. This is going to be fun. Brett, I swear to God, it'll be fun. This is the most fun. No. Um, given the insanity of the news cycle, the worst timeline that we are all on, uh, we wanted to do a little segment asking whether you think this is fake news. And so this Mm -hmm. is, is it fake? Apparently there's a show on Netflix called Is It Cake? So this is sort of like that, but nobody gets cake at the end, which I'm sad about, pretty sad about. But everyone play along. Coupons for cake maybe to send out. Wow, Brett. You know the show is shoestring. Now you're talking about coupons, bro. Come on, you know what it's like. <laughs> Why don't you send out coupons for Jessica? Make that a make that a perk on Patreon. God yeah. damn. Um, all right, is it fake? The Vatican is creating an NFT art gallery. Andrew, I'm gonna go with fake. Brett, oh, man, Vatican is a big name. They're like a Nike. Like all those people that got into NFTs. I'm going to say true. All right. And the Vatican will create an NFT gallery to democratize art. That's right. They, a public private partnership aims to extend the availability of the Vatican's heritage, manuscripts, masterpieces, and academic initiatives to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to experience it. Wait, I, I don't even know what this looks like. They're going to, it doesn't have to be NFTs. They're going to take pictures of the documents and then turn them into million dollar graphics to democratize it. Don't, they they want to let them have it, Brett. Let them be cool for once. They've had it really hard, you know, just so much, um, you know, pedophilia to cover up. All right. Next, next. Can I get the cloth of. Turin is like a, is that be like an NFT or something? Get something from like that from the Vatican? I don't know. I never read the Da Vinci Code. Is that in the yeah. Da Vinci Code? <laughs> okay. If it's not in the Da Vinci Code it, or the Bible, I haven't read either of those things, Bible or Da Vinci Code. I haven't even seen Jesus Christ Superstar. I was a very bad two-year Christian. Um. All right. Next, next fake or real. Is it fake? Joe Rogan admits to hoarding baby formula before MMA fights. I'm going to say fake because he has breast milk on supply all the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Bodybuilders. There was, there was an article I read years ago about San Francisco Craigslist having a problem busting people that were selling breast milk because bodybuilders were, were obsessed with the nutritional content of it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got stuck watching some like Bravo or TLC show about that. Like about, about a bodybuilder hoarding breast milk. Um, 
damn it. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. You with guys Drake, are right. Though. It is fake. I'm the one who made up this headline, be- and it was Joe Rogan admits that breast milk helped him get over a cold to fight and before a fight. Now that I believe, and I was like, nah, ex- mm, I could you. I did not know that, and that makes sense. Um, fucking, of course he drinks breast milk, just pure. I don't know what his voice is. No, it's it's higher than that. It's more thoughtful but with nothing in the brain um all right next is it fake the fda just greenlit underwear to prevent stis during oral sex chat fake (laughs) Fake. okay we've got one fake andrew says fake underwear to prevent stis i did i had a really weird aliexpress ad that was like latex (laughs) underwear with like a cutout that you could put yourself in there's a cutout (laughs) <laughs> like it was molded to like to hold to hold the whole thing. It was anatomically correct underwear, latex underwear was on my Facebook feed earlier today from AliExpress. I don't know if Dude. you could put that with like STI prevention. I'm gonna say it's fake. That is real. No. Absolutely. The underwear is made of latex and is as thin as a condom and has been getting rave reviews. This is like an improved dental dam because you can actually wear it. Um, That's why I got advertised it. That was a real, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> Thank you for telling me because I got the ad earlier and it was like, why would you want your whole like nether region covered in latex? They could see you have a beard and they're like, mm, they're going to need. They're going to need some latex on these. It's it's scratchy. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> the full coverage makes sense, though. It does. Dental dams. How the fuck do they stay in place? Are you supposed to, like, tape it on either side of your legs? The hell? You got to hold it. Anywho. Yes. Um. All right. Fake or real? All right. Fake or real? R. Kelly and subway shooter Frank James have become friends behind bars. Oh, God. This could be an upworthy. Um, You'll never guess who became best friends. It's like a little duckling and like a cow, except yeah, a little jaunty music. Um, this could be a Snapchat. Snapchat has these stories all the time too. Um, I'm gonna go real, Andrew. I'm also gonna go real. It's just yeah. It is way too absurd to make up. R. Kelly and Brooklyn subway shooter have become, quote, buds in jail. This is from the Daily Beast. The April 12th mass shooter and R. Kelly are both facing life sentences. And three sources describe the guys eating together. And one even called them buds. <sighs> Just amazing shit. I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. I don't want to know that it immediately that's I how bad it's I think you got everything gotten. right at this point. Andrew was <laughs> yeah. speaking. No, you guys, the FDA fooled you. All right. And finally, in the wake of Buffalo shooting, Biden says he supports ending the filibuster to pass an assault weapons ban. That's going to be fake because this is, once again, this would be like a smart move. I think it would make sense. There's yeah. no way that's real. Yeah, he didn't. He actually refused to support it to codify Roe. So I'm just like, he, they, they, it was a one time thing. So no, fake. It is fake. God damn it. It's yeah. fake. Fuck. <laughs> I thought I was hoping somebody would be like, really? And then look at your phone. But nope, nobody believes that he would ever want to suspend or do away with a filibuster under no circumstances, mass shootings included. And that has been. 
Is it fake? Thank you guys so much. Andrew Perez, where can people find you and your work? Uh, sure. So you can find me at the lever, uh, levernews.com. Um, and my Twitter handle is Andrew Perez DC. Amazing. And everybody uh, check out the lever and check out Andrew's work. Follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow for sure. And thank you for your reporting. Um, thank you for being on. Take care. And Brett, what about you? How you, how you doing? <laughs> Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter. I'm at Brett Payne, B-R-E-T-T-P-A-I-N. Other than that, Street Fight WCRS on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, that's the place to find us. Hell yeah. Um, and if you can, stay for the bonus. No hard feelings if not. But uh, it's been such a pleasure, Brett. Yeah. If you're watching the stream right now, I'm going to be taking calls in just uh, 40 minutes at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Street Fight. So Hell yeah. Everybody uh, pop on over to that. Yeah, I would love to have some people come over. It's been great so far. I love the show. You're amazing. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're amazing. Take very good care, Brett. Everybody check out Street Fight Radio. Don't sleep on that. Um, thank you to all the commenters. Just really, really quick. Progressive Boomer Dragon, thanks for the super chat. Here's my holler out. This Sunday show rocks. You rock. Um, Anton Diaz, thanks for the super chat. Love your passion from an old schooler. I hate to paraphrase a confederate, but the First Amendment is not a suicide pact, I think. Agreed. Um, I don't know. I didn't know if that was a, con- is that a Confederate line? Um, Tony D, thanks for the super chat. Fran, you're awesome. Thank you. Simple ways. You have to be 21 to drink, but okay for 18 year olds to walk around with guns, shaking my head. I mean, honestly, like at least we know they mass murdered sober. Isn't that nice? Um, on the formula sitch, uh, I fight for them says I'd chew up steak and spit it into a baby's mouth like a mama bird. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> these are the kinds of comments that I like. I like that. I thought, that that's love. That's real love. Um, Hef, thank you so much for the super chat. You're so generous. Baby formula is so hot right now. They're just going to give leftover hand sanitizer instead. Honestly, um, Tommy J, we should put separation of corporations and state as part of the constitution. Yes. Thank you. Ginger Hickerson, you're the best. Thank you for your Super Chat sticker. Um, Donald James on the Nakba Day. Zionists feel they're entitled to the land because their God said so, and America loves that ideology. Yeah. They're like, America's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Jews will die. But yeah, keep loving your land. We want you to live for now. Insane. Um, on Roe versus Wade, um, make the argument against a mass young mass young people exodus from the country expatriate says rain strom all right hell yeah where are we going matt only wants to go to english-speaking countries and i think that's a cop-out tony d holy shit thank you for your super chat you are so so sweet everybody give tony some thanks with the generous two hundred dollar super chat i gotta say it's two hundred dollars holy shit you're so sweet that's gonna it'll feed me feed all of us it'll feed us all we can buy our baby formula for the show. And Rachel Atwood, good morning, Sunday morning. Who wants ice cream? Thank you guys so much, uh, y'all. And without further ado, to thank the rest, it's the fart song. Thank you to all the patrons. Ten bucks or more gets you a shout out. French fry, fourteen five ninety five. Thanks for joining. Bonnie Verhunt's upping their pledge to a hundred dollars. Innermost cabal, you've entered the cabal. Welcome. We're like the Judicial Crisis Network, except we want to eat the rich. 
Um, and thanks to all the $5 patrons, you guys. Uh, I'm not naming names, but I love you all. And thank you to the big tippers, Joseph L. Once again, Joseph, I forgot you last week, and he got very mad. He emailed me. He, he said he listened to the whole show just for the fart song and just to hear his name. So this is a big tipper who's very self-interested. No, I'm joking. Thank you so much, uh, Joseph. Are we done? Oh, shit. Thank you to the Twitch subs. Ricky, Ricky YC 183, Thunderous Dragon, Frank Morningtree, Brandy Lutu, Danny, Daniel McConkey, Dimpser, Andro Filer, and Nakobe 311 giving out five community subs. Hell yeah, Nakobe. Thank you so much. Um, and thanks to everyone who works on this show, to Paige, o- to Paige Omek, Maximilian Inhoff, Alexander Orness. We stream every Sunday, 5 8 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the show on Twitter at Bituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram at Franny Fio. Guys, give us five stars on, on the podcast, on the Apple podcast. Helps people find us and follow us. And remember, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. We'll see you in the bonus. Bye-bye.